This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, last year just skyrocketed the move to online giving for all donors who give to nonprofits. Those organizations who already had a clear and robust process for donors to give online really benefited. Those who didn't really struggled. I don't know if you fall into the camp of really struggling last year or really benefiting. But either way, all of us, the question on our minds is how to future-proof our fundraising for our nonprofit. So how does your organization go about doing that? Well, my guest today will share some fascinating data points gleaned from my recent report on the state of philanthropy within the nonprofit sector and why an easy and efficient online giving experience for your donors is absolutely critical for your organization's future success and sustainability. My guest is Elizabeth Pun. She's the manager of content at Classy. Classy is a B Corp that focuses on closing the gap between nonprofit and for-profit businesses. Elizabeth is the primary editor of Classy's recent report entitled The State of Modern Philanthropy 2021. Enjoy today's show. Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Rob. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's dive right into this fascinating report that your company has produced. And I understand you are the primary editor of this report. Um, this is the fourth year you've put this to, together. Talk about the origins of this report. Why is Classy first launched this report four years ago? And how did you go about gathering the data this year? Yeah, absolutely. So since 2018, you know, we have created this report really to surface insights, trends, takeaways, that would really help the industry more effectively engage their donor base, create meaningful connections with their supporters, and ultimately raise more and be successful with their missions. So we want to empower nonprofits to make those data-informed decisions with meaningful data insights, as well as with thoughtful analysis on how they might apply those takeaways to their own organizations. So with this year's report and every report that we publish, we hope to help nonprofit organizations design those solutions that are going to keep their missions moving forward and accelerate their impact. And also, you know, as we share this data, we highlight how classy customers themselves also utilize our software platform in order to apply these strategies in hopes that others in the social sector can also further utilize technology to build these meaningful relationships with their donors and encourage action from their cohorts. Excellent. You know, and just to reiterate to my listeners that this report reflects the insights from over 4,800 organizations, 46,000 active campaigns, and a billion dollars raised from over 9.4 million donations, of which nearly 4 million were recurring gifts. Now, there's a lot of numbers, and I'll probably put those in my show notes for my listeners, but that's a wide swath of information and a lot of data from a wide variety of organizations. So maybe you could give us a couple of key findings that surprised you the most by your report. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most interesting uh, findings that we had was that we found that inviting your event attendees to fundraise on your behalf, such as with registration with fundraising type campaigns, 
This led to four and a half times greater revenue than offering a ticketed event alone in 2020. So actually empowering your event attendees, not just register, but actually start a personal fundraising page and start raising money on your behalf leads to greater revenue. So this also didn't just lead to increased fundraising revenue, but it also helped organizations acquire new donors because the report also revealed that four out of five donors who gave to an individual fundraising on behalf of an organization were first-time supporters. So really this just demonstrates the power of peer-to-peer and the power of offering your supporters more engagement options, especially during a time like 2020 when many were just craving connection with their communities. Another really interesting finding that we had was that recurring giving, which is the process of having donors subscribe to nonprofits and pledge to give on a regular basis, this continues to serve as a powerful tool to boost your supporter conversion and retention rates. So this year's report found that organizations with revenue greater than $50 million were able to grow their percent of total revenue collected through recurring gifts from 26% in 2019 to 37% in 2020. And as nearly 20% of total giving on Classy's platform is done by donors who subscribe to nonprofits and pledge to give on a regular basis, this new data really just reinforces the importance of recurring giving to your organization's ability to scale and it really just highlights the importance of organizations to continue to look for ways to boost recurring donations and create that predictable revenue stream. Uh, because this revenue model really isn't just going to create that predictability for yourself, but it also sets you up to scale. And, you know, in addition to that, focusing on recurring giving is also great for your donors as well, because the organization needs to work to maintain that recurring support. So donors tend to get a better experience. You know, similar to what's played out in other industries with subscription models, you know, you think of Netflix, Spotify, or even other B2B SaaS companies, you know, in most cases, recurring donors do give less on a dollar basis versus one-time donors, but they tend to stick with the organization longer, you know, making their support actually ultimately over five times more valuable than just a one-time donor. So again, recurring revenue is really just the lifeblood of any sustainable and scalable organization. So we really strongly encourage any nonprofit looking to up-level their fundraising strategy in 2021 to prioritize subscription giving. It's really just the future, and it's where we're really focused from an innovation standpoint. And I'll leave you with this. Another key finding that we had was that we saw that the convenience of multiple payment methods, such as ACH or eCheck, for example, it helped boost gifts and retention in 2020. We actually found that the average monthly recurring gift made through ACH is 55% larger than recurring gifts made with credit cards. So really, this just tells us that if nonprofits want to future-proof their organizations, they must optimize the giving experience by offering multiple payment options that meet donors where they are and how they want to engage with your organization. Subscription service, in a sense, is one of the best ways you can maintain and increase, in fact, recurring donations, which then, of course, makes your nonprofit much more sustainable over the long haul because you've got these recurring gifts all the time. So that's um, that's what you one of your primary findings. Absolutely. You know, like I said, recurring giving is truly the future for the entire sector, for the social sector. It really does. Not only does it create a predictable revenue stream that your organization can depend on month over month, even through the seasonality of giving as we know it, but it's really going to actually set you up to grow and 
scale your organization into the future. So we truly would encourage organizations to to prioritize this as a, as a pillar strategy really moving forward. Now, great to know. And I think for all of my listeners, fundraising is one of the biggest, most stressful things that we do, regardless if you're an executive director or just on uh, a staff of a nonprofit organization, because it's your lifeblood, right? So really, really good insights. Another one of your findings, according to the report that I saw, that really, I think, jumped out to me was this donation matching. What you found was campaigns that utilize donation matching actually raise three to five times more money than those who do not have any kind of matching opportunity. I'm a big believer in donation matching, but why is it from your research that donation matching is so critical for nonprofits? I love that you bring this up because we weren't surprised at how donation matching proved to be such a powerful strategy, but we're so excited about it because we feel like there's this misconception sometimes where organizations tend to think that, oh, you know, we can only do a donation match if we have a corporate sponsor or we lock down a corporate partner in order to provide this really large match. But that's really just not true. You know, that's just a misconception because organizations can use any large gifts made by any individual or even group, you know, donations together to create a matching gift, if you will, during a campaign in order to just build a sense of urgency for their supporters Because when supporters know that their dollar can go further, that can pull them off the sidelines in order to actually just make that gift. So in our experience, you know, many organizations also tend to reserve donation matches for, you know, maybe their splashy Giving Tuesday or year-end campaigns, you know, like those really big annual campaigns throughout the year. But our data shows that there's just a massive opportunity to leverage matching gifts throughout your campaigns throughout the entire year, especially if we now know that these campaigns that do matches raise three to five times more money than those that don't, you know, this is just an opportunity to to really capitalize upon no matter what month it really is. We'll be right back. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. We've done it many times in my nonprofit organization, and it really has proven to be exactly what you found in your findings. So really good to get that confirmation. Another finding of the report that I thought was really interesting and confirmed what I've been also seeing in other nonprofit organizations, as well as my own, was the prevalence of mobile phones. Your report showed that traffic for donors to nonprofits was higher, actually, on mobile phones versus a desktop. So this critical takeaway that I got from your report was nonprofits have to have a mobile-friendly version of our websites and our giving page specifically. Could you talk more about that? Maybe give us more background on why that uh, popped up in your report. 
Yeah, so, you know, in our report concerning mobile devices, our benchmarks note that 58% of traffic on our platform comes directly from mobile devices, you know, across all campaign types. Additionally, you know, 27% of mobile traffic also comes from social media, which makes sense because people are on their phones, on social. And so throughout today's digital age, we are witnessing this growing importance of having mobile-friendly campaigns. And this is really just going to continue to grow as digital and online traffic continues to boost donor conversion rates as well. So it's all about meeting today's donors where they are and how they want to engage with your with your organization. In addition to that, for instance, we saw throughout the data that when you when digital wallets were enabled as a payment method for organizations, they saw an 11 to 14% lift in mobile conversion rates. So clearly donors are on their mobile devices. They're they're going to be able to give on their mobile phones. So you need to have those mobile optimized campaigns as well as those, you know, mobile optimized payment methods, to be frank. So this is really just an increasing trend as we move more and more so online. And 2020 really proved to be that year where people were just, you know, that online traffic just continued to boost. So um, this is this is just an upward trend. I hear a phrase that you keep repeating. We need to meet our donors where they are in today's world. And that's adapting every possible tool, no matter how successful in the past it was, we've got to meet people where they are now. Absolutely. Love it. Well, good. Okay. Another nugget that I want to make sure we cover. We often spend a lot of time trying to figure out how much of a suggested donation we should list on a giving page, for example, and your study looked at this. And from what I can understand, but I want you to clarify this too, it appears that the dollar amount doesn't really make a difference in terms of the percentage of those who give so long as there's options that make sense to the donors. So an example for my listeners again. So if you say you have $20 listed as the lowest suggested amount on your giving page or 200 as the lowest amount, the percentage of those who give to either amount is actually the same based on your study. So the question would be then why not just increase your lowest amount to $200, right? If there's no difference. So I want to make sure I'm understanding that right. Could you maybe speak to that in terms of listing out a suggested donation option list for your donors? Yeah, great question. So through our analysis of, you know, looking at what are the conversion rates on forms, looking at different lowest and highest recommended gift sizes, we found that of checkout forms whose highest gift size suggestion was maybe $200, 41% of visitors still went on to convert on that form and make a donation. The same could be said for forms that displayed $10 as their lowest gift size suggestion. It's also worth noting, though, that of forms whose lowest suggestion was $250, 37% of visitors to that form still went on to convert. I want to clarify that this doesn't necessarily mean donors gave those exact suggested amounts at those exact conversion rates. You know, they are actually free to donate a custom amount on that form. These are just the percentages of conversions off of those forms who tend, who happen to have those lowest and highest gift size recommendations. But what the main takeaway here is that it still just raises the power of suggestion to influence donors' gift sizes. So yes, why not increase your lowest amount and see how that impacts your organization's specific conversion rates? You know, and most importantly, I would say that in order to choose the right gift amount for your community, you first and foremost need to understand your donor base and their giving behavior in order to optimize your forms to the T. You know, identify your median donation size and build your donation page around this information. I also just want to add, you know, it also depends on in terms of knowing your donor base very, very well 
this also means understanding segmentation, right? So are you sending your major donors a specific donation page that caters suggested gift sizes to their giving behavior, as well as a custom donation page to maybe the, the rest of your support base or your smaller donors with gift sizes that are tailored to their giving behavior as well. So it's really a strategizing and understanding your donor base to begin with and then segmenting and being smart about what gift sizes you're putting in front of them and playing around and experimenting with what gift sizes can you, can you actually put in front of their eyes to maybe influence and encourage them to perhaps give a bigger amount than they might have thought of on their own. So it sounds like as opposed to just randomly grabbing numbers out of the air, so to speak, is to do an audit of your donors and find out what the median gift size is and then build your giving page basically around that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, playing around with the gift size or the gift sizes as well, find your median donation size and play around with, you know, where in that range would you put that gift size, right? Like, would you put it as your lowest gift size or your middle gift size or second to lowest? Maybe, you know, suggest some higher gift sizes along with them in order to to really see which ones your donors are responding to. And even if that that range ends up perhaps encouraging your donor to give five more dollars than they would have they would have maybe thought at first, you know, that's five more dollars for your organization. So really just experiment with what works for your community um, and test it out. I love it. That's great. Good. Okay. Well, it's clear that online giving is here to stay. So for my listeners, again, perhaps those in particular that have not done a lot of online giving, maybe they've been really good with kind of the traditional marketing ways of getting the word out and people, you know, still maybe even send checks in, or it's just a different way of supporting their organization. But clearly you're not the only one that's been on my show to say that giving trends are changing. The way people give is drastically changing. I think COVID then accelerated that, right? When you literally could not walk into a nonprofit for a period of time and hand a check to somebody or even give cash or whatever else you were doing in person, you had to go online. So if you're a nonprofit leader and you're listening to this podcast and or reading your report and they know they need to improve the robustness of their online giving experience for their donors, what would you say are the most important next steps for them to take to maximize this shift to accelerate online giving for their organization? Absolutely. And I think really agree more with what you said, Rob. You know, what we've realized after the events of 2020 is that online fundraising is truly the cornerstone of a diversified strategy that helps you both safeguard and scale your organization. So nonprofits that offer their supporters multiple ways to engage, you know, whether it's through different online campaign types or different flexible payment options, those who are going to prioritize nurturing these relationships in those ways are going to see continued success for the years to come. So, you know, we also recognize that data analysis and reporting are really only half the battle. The other half is taking thoughtful care and consideration and experimentation to apply these findings to your organization's unique circumstances and the end larger climate as well. So I would say that some ways that organizations can begin this journey of improving their online giving moving forward might be, you know, Think about how are you optimizing and engaging supporters through both desktop and mobile? Perhaps you start by testing, sending appeals during the week versus the weekend at different times of the day. You know, see what helps improve the odds of supporters opening your app from either type of device. And secondly, you can also begin tracking your results year over year to further explore different opportunities for your specific organization when it comes to 
donor acquisition and conversion optimization? You know, do you have specific re-engagement tracks for each of these cohorts? You know, and if so, develop those segmented stewardship tracks that we talked about to make sure that, you know, your hard work is really, is really sticking the landing. So I would really say play around with that segmentation, understand your donor base and see how you can continue to optimize your specific stewardship strategies for, for each of them. Well, one last question on this. Did your report speak much to the platform of online giving? In other words, how much did you study like Facebook as um, you know avenue for giving to your one's nonprofit versus a web page that is the nonprofit's organization's course web page that has a giving page embedded in it? Was there any difference between various social media platforms as being a better or maybe worse place for people to give versus their regular nonprofit website? Could you talk to that a little bit about the different platforms that were studied? Yeah, actually. So for our report analysis, we actually we didn't individualize, you know, how much traffic coming in from Facebook versus Instagram or all that. We we grouped them into our social traffic and then applied that to how that translates over to mobile traffic and desktop traffic coming from social media. But you know, we also throughout our blog, for instance, outside of this report, we really take effort to dive into different strategies for each of these channels to ensure that we're providing organizations with thought starters and takeaways on how they might continue to optimize their their strategy for each of these channels. So I would really encourage anyone to check out our blog at classy.org slash blog for more takeaways on that subject. That's good. Well, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much for your time today, Elizabeth. And could you let us know a little bit more about how others can connect and learn more about you and or the report? Well, thank you so much for having me, Rob. This was such a pleasure. Um, and yes, uh, your listeners can access this year's The State of Modern Philanthropy Report um, at classy.org. We will also be hosting our annual collaborative virtual sessions conference from June 8th through 11th this year, which I'm so excited about. This is the only free conference that really unites change makers and launches much needed conversations that we need in the sector to bring the future of the sector forward together during these unprecedented times. And as part of our programming for the conference, we'll be hosting a session that breaks down the trends of our State of Modern Philanthropy Report even further. So we definitely encourage every nonprofit professional to register for free at collaborative.classy.org. Oh, sounds good. Well, again, thanks for taking time to be on the show. And thanks for doing this report. I think for all the nonprofit leaders that are out there, this is going to be a benefit to them and just provide them some great insights to improve their fundraising efforts. So thanks again for your time. Thank you so much. And really, that's our hope for this year's report, too. So we really hope that it just really equips nonprofit professionals even further to grow and scale. So thank you so much, Rob, for having me today. Hey friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is non nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.